Okay, it's John and Bill here, and what we're going to talk about right now is a tale of two cameras. They're both made by Canon. They're both black. They're both 35mm SLRs, and they're both automatic. But apart from that, there are some differences. Welcome to the Classic Camera Revival, coming to you from the Greater Toronto Hamilton region of Ontario, Canada. If you don't have gear acquisition syndrome now, you most likely will by the end of the episode. And perhaps we're back, or perhaps we never left. History will decide. So recently, Bill and I decided to do a comparison of a couple of of uh, Canon automatic cameras that date from 1973 when they first ma- started first making the first one and 1985 when they stopped making the second one. The first camera is the uh, Canon EF and the second camera is the Canon A1. Now I had the A1 and I had not used an EF and Bill had the EF and uh, had not used the A1, so he said, let's just do a little uh, a little swap. So we got together a few weeks ago, or months ago, depending on when this actually uh, goes live, and swapped but the cameras. But the weather was warm. <laughs> it was warm. So if it's snowing right now, this, this happened a while ago. And so I tried the EF, and if we go in historical order, the EF came out first, so I'm going to talk a little bit about that. And then Bill will take over and talk about his experiences with the the A1. Now, the EF, like I mentioned earlier, it was uh, made in uh, or started being made in 1973. And so roughly, is that just before the F1 came out or around the same time as the F1? Actually, the F1 was introduced in 1971. So the Canon lineup. They had the F1 as the pro body. And then they had the FTB, which was sort of like pitched to advanced amateurs. Mm -hmm. And then they had like more decontented versions of the FTB for Mm -hmm. those on a budget. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's in that, in that, in that, uh, that time. And so again, I had never shot with it before. I've been looking forward to to trying it, and uh, I have to say, I was impressed by its usability. It was at a time where, and I don't want to put this the wrong way, um, in term, its form factor was pretty standard, pretty traditional compared to, let's say, F one or a lot of the other thirty five millimeter non-pro SLRs of the day. Um, so that's a good thing. Like I had never used it before, like I said, but all the controls were basically where I expected them to be. I didn't have to go hunting for, for example, unloading the film or uh, or setting the, the film speed on the meter. Everything just made sense because it was basically the way that uh, that most people did things back then. Now, one thing that that was different for Canon in their approach to automation with most cameras, while most makers were um, aperture priority fans, uh, Canon decided to differentiate themselves and go with uh, with shutter priority. So, if you're mounting uh, 
you know, an FD lens because this this camera took the the FD lens as, as sort of its primary lenses. You would just make sure that um, at least for the breech lock versions, the FD lenses, you'd make sure that the aperture was set to A, and uh, and then you'd be setting the exposure by uh, by manipulating the shutter speed on the camera. Oh, aside, Bill, interrupt if I'm getting any of this wrong. It's already been a couple of weeks since I used the camera. You're pretty much spot on. So okay. essentially, you're controlling the uh, the aperture yeah, sure. via the shutter speed. Yeah, I remember. Like and like, Canon was always big on shutter shutter priority. They they in their advertising. I remember reading as as a young lad in the seventies in various photo magazines. They tended to deride aperture priority automation as a way to get the perfectly exposed blur, which I think that's sort of marketing BS. Because you know, really, you can. Uh, you can manipulate the uh, the aperture by using the shutter and just sort of think about it whichever way you want. So, but you know, marketing and reality sometimes never the uh, the twain shall meet. You can always bugger up the focus. Oh yeah. <laughs> so take that, Canon marketing department. Yeah. Nineteen seventy three. Well, uh, take it. Take any marketing department. Bugger any marketing department. <laughs> um. And so you got usability, you know, I would call it, I'm going to say it was unremarkable, but that's in a good way. Again, like I, there no, I found no surprises using the camera, uh, you know, after a couple of uh, hints on where to find certain things, you know, I just shot the entire roll. The camera got out of the way. The expression I like to use is transparent. You know, I didn't have to think about uh, what I was doing apart from uh, apart from composing and focusing, of course, because this is a non-autofocus camera. The camera was known for some some rather advanced features for the time, having to do with its uh, its vertical copal shutter. Uh, you had uh, shutter speeds um, one one thousandth at the top or two one or one two thousand. What? One thousandth. Okay. One one thousand down to one second were mechanical. This is a mechanical camera. So uh, if the uh, if you don't have a battery, it's still very usable. More about batteries momentarily. And then from one second to uh, 30 seconds, I believe the shutter speeds were controlled electronically. So this was, you know, a rather astoundingly wide range of uh, of shutter speeds for the day compared to other other manufacturers i also like the fact and i guess this is more more of a feature today we're in the post mercury uh battery age of course is that even though the standard battery for this camera was like a 1.35 mercury cell it did have circuitry built in uh to allow the use today of uh, modern 1.5 volt uh, cells so you don't have to worry about uh, throwing in wine cells or going getting those expensive adapters or futzing with pieces of tin foil. Um, you can just slap in a modern battery and you're good to go. I think that's an incredible feature uh, today, even though it, it only became a, an incredible feature once they stopped making mercury uh, mercury cells. Um, but 
you know, apart from that, great camera. Maybe I'll get one at some point. Um, I, I checked on eBay. The bodies are relatively affordable. Um, I've seen them from anywhere from, you know, 120 bucks up to, oh, maybe $300. Of course, the kicker is, are you getting one that uh, that is working? Um, but that's that's the the thing with uh, with any camera. That would be my one concern that uh, if the if the meter were to die, how how repairable is the camera compared to let's say ones that are fully mechanical? Uh, that's a good question, and I think you want a Canon Whisperer to answer that one. To my understanding, you can take it off shutter priority and use it manually. Yeah, it's like a totally mechanical camera. As long as your shutter speeds are one second or faster, anything slower, well, you're not doing like those dreamy waterfall shots. Yeah. Um, well, I would assume it has B. But that was I'd have to double check that. But it's pretty standard for a camera to have a B. Yeah, setting. I believe so. I. Yeah. I it's one of those things. The the camera in question is upstairs, yeah. uh, <laughs> not next to me, which okay. I should have. But of course, the the it does sort of beg the question. Uh, I don't shoot shutter speeds with a thirty five millimeter SLR that are over one second all that often. No. Nor nor you know, some people say, oh, the top end is only one one thousandth. I don't shoot one one thousandth all that often for me mo my shutter speeds tend to be between 160th and 1500th for almost all my shooting so it's not something i get all hung up about i think for me it's sort of it's a classic it depends on the situation mm -hmm. again like you i'm with the ef i'm using it around yeah you know, anywhere between 130th 160th and 1500th because that's just where I tend to play. It also depends yeah. on what film you're using. If you're one of those crazies that uses Portrait 800 and wants to shoot wide open in bright sunshine, well, maybe the EF is not your should not be your first choice. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. But I'd say, given all that, it's a solid camera. It didn't seem to, you know, it wasn't a huge hit like that. There aren't a whole lot of them around. But I think it deserves more, more acclaim than it got. Well, I think the thing with the EF, and this is from the research I've done, because again, the Canon was using it as a test bed of technology for technology, and they and they positioned that camera along with its replacement, the A1, to advanced amateurs. So okay, you can't quite swing the F1, but we got this really cool EF for you. And it's got some features, because the, the F1 went, uh, in the 1970s was a wholly mechanical camera. Yeah. And really, the only the battery was just needed for the light meter. And again, it was that dreaded 625 mercury cell. The EF was kind of like, they, I think it was originally geared for two 625 cells with the bridge circuits. So then you can go with a later one and a half volt. Of course, you're going to need a spacer, but those are cheap and cheerful. Yeah, oh yeah, the land of eBay, uh, and or Amazon or wherever you find little things like that. 
And again, I think a lot of people, you know, it was like one of those sort of, it was for the guy who sort of has everything. But if you're like, if you're sort of a, a photographer of some means, you couldn't swing the F1 and it's like, you know what, I'm just going to get the FTB. And that's fully mechanical, and a, you know, one one thousandth and bulb, uh, down to bulb, uh, and you know, it also came in cheaper, and you can get it either chrome or black, but you know, the EF only came in black. Um, and also, to my understanding, there were two versions of the camera. Uh, one had like the uh, they it's just the different focusing screens. I think they did that mid model cycle around nineteen seventy five. Because I don't think you could. The, the focusing screens, I believe, were not user interchangeable on the EF. No, they weren't. Mm -mm. Yeah. You, 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 yeah, they were kind of, they came from the factory and you got to live with it. And I think yeah. they went with a split screen for the second version. So, mm -hmm. so, so uh, 1978, uh, the EF uh, was retired. And so in the era of uh, polyester shirts, platform shoes, and too much cocaine, we have something that did deserve to survive, the A1. So, Bill, what were your thoughts? A1 is also, again, it sort of carries on where the EF left off. It's like it was a combination. We pitched it, Canon pitched it to the advanced amateur who wanted more bells and whistles, Maybe didn't necessarily want to go up to the F1. Below it, you had other cameras in the A series line, like the AE1, AV1, AT1, depending where you were on planet Earth, you know, determine what's that. Now, the AE1 was sort of the everyman's camera. If you're not a photographer, oh, that's a Canon made a conscious decision with the a series we're going to go mass mass market beyond the i gotta say the the photography community and the a1 and the a1 they loaded it to the gills with not only aperture priority but also shutter priority and i think they had a couple of program modes in there too and and it's again it was one of those cameras that was foreshadowing and i've said this with some camera bodies with various brands, it's foreshadowing of, of what's to come in the in the few short years. The A1, like the EF, you had to lock the lens to A. And with the e, A1, you had everything was run by that one control dial, and you can just flip a switch and boom, oh, you want AV, and then you got TV, and then you got the green square. Is it the green square? I can't remember. Oh, uh, I have it here. Yeah. Um, there, yeah. There, there's a green square, and also, yeah, like on the shutter dial, you move it up to P, mm -hmm. and that gets you the program mode. Yeah. So they wanted to, like, Canon wanted to, like, put a camera that has a ton of features, and they wanted to hit a price point to sort of stick it to Nikon with their FE, which was an aperture priority camera. Canon achieved that by going the better living through plastics school. They shared shutter speed, the, the shutter uh, assembly with the AE1. They uses the same battery, the 4SR44. And if you want to get consistent performance, look for a 4SR44. And 
and again, it's it's like the only other camera that had as many features as that is the Minolta XD11 in North America or XD7 in Europe or just the plain XD in Asia. And it basically that particular camera, which was a collaboration between Minolta and Leica, uh, had both aperture and shutter priority in it, but it did not have any program modes. So basically, aperture, shutter priority, manual mode, that's it. That's what you got. Its ergonomics are a lot more conventional uh, compared to what Canon was doing. Canon, in some ways, was foreshadowing the raw, you know, what would happen a few, just like 10 years later when the EOS lens mount came out. And if you wanted to control your aperture opening, you have to do it through a command dial. And this was like something that was starting in the late 70s. They just haven't gotten to like where they were, uh, where they where they needed to be by the late 1980s. And like it, it's the same setup if you're looking at something like a Nikon F90 or, well, not an F90, an F100 or an F5, where you have to lock the lens up to... It's uh, the tiniest aperture mm -hmm. you got and then lock it in and he does the same thing. Canon was a little ahead of the curve in the late 70s. Canon also had the lovely LED uh, reader, which I've made shit ton of jokes of in the past. But then now with LCD bleed, maybe Canon was on to something. Good point. Very good point. LEDs, at least from my experience... Now, in terms of usability, it took me, a, you know, again, I got smart. I, I glanced at the Butkus site and looked at the A1 manual saying, okay, where do I go? What do I do? Boom. What does this do? And then it's like, it was a reasonably intuitive camera to use. It was uh, comfortable in my hand. It felt more substantial than an AU1. I'd agree. And I found it more enjoyable to use than an AE one. Like I learned on an AE one twenty years mm -hmm. ago. I never just held on. I never held on to it. Uh, I wound up with another AE one. Let that go. They seem to come and go from my possession. And you know, whereas the A one, I found it rather easy to shoot with. I the uh, like I was shooting with uh, Fuji Superior four hundred. Everything was just spot on like i could not there was not a bad frame well i was shooting i was shooting i didn't mention i was shooting with um orwell un54 on on, on mine on the ef and similarity the uh, like i'm just in the in the process of scanning the the, the images now and the meter you know it's, it's an older meter uh, but I think it was sil a silicon oxide, something like that. It was a uh, silicon cell of the Canon yeah. use. Like, like I said, it was they were ahead of the curve with yeah. that camera, but they went with more of a cost is no object approach with yeah. EF, whereas the A1 was sort of like, yeah, we want to go after, we knew who we wanted to go after, which was basically mm -hmm. Nikon with the FE. Pentax with the ME slash ME Super and Minolta with the XD series of cameras. And they think, well, we're going to go in. We're going to, of course, I forgot the Olympus OM2, but that's almost a special beast in its own right due to its uh, compact dimensions. Canon 
said, yeah, we're going to build this to a price point, but we're going to put it with full of features and make it feel durable enough that, you know, the advanced amateurs will like it. Well, certainly the, the, the EF, the, the exposures were also bang on. So yes. if we're to compare the two cameras in that way, there's exposure accuracy, both very, very good. Not going to oh, cause yeah. you problems. Mm -mm. Not with what I, not with what I've seen. And uh, yeah, the again, both of them, it was the same philosophy. In some ways it was the same philosophy behind it, but in some ways it was not. <laughs> It was again. I think the A one, and it had a good run. It was like from seventy eight to eighty five, and eighty five, yeah. Canon killed the entire A line of cameras, and then they created the T series line, which was sort of like the T ninety, which was the the um, replacement for the A one, and that was basically the platform bit that sort of became the EOS one when the EOS mount hit the market just a few short yeah. years later in the late 1980s. That was when all the Nikon owners were chuckling under their breath. Yeah. When they, <laughs> yeah. When they, when it can't, all these FD glass just became obsolete overnight. Yeah. yeah. And that FD glass is gorgeous glass. Oh, it is like, again, it's uh, unfortunately certain focal lengths have gotten insanely expensive, like the 35 F2. I, I have a chrome nose one and it's a great lens. Now, granted, would I throw up my A1? Well, I, well, yeah, spoiler alert, I ordered an A1 online. So it will show up eventually. It's coming from the Far East. So we shall see. You mentioned the uh, the Minolta XD11. And I, I remember, again, you know, going back to my teenage years in the 70s, like getting my copies of popular photography and uh Peterson's photographic, that kind of thing. And the way the photographic press played it at that point, they played it up as, you know, Minolta sort of run the race to have a camera, a 35mm SLR, that would have both uh, aperture and shutter priority. And Canon was uh, painted sort of as being in catch-up mode, even though they had the uh, like the XD11 did not have fully a fully a full program mode, the way that the uh, the A1 does. I've I've used the program mode on the A1. It's it's not bad at all. Okay. And, and some days, like let's say like let's say if you're doing street shooting or something, that's not a bad uh, not a bad option to consider. I don't use it all that often, uh, <laughs> but uh, it it does work. So it's it's it, but it is interesting to think back to how the press sort of said that Canon won the silver medal while Minolta won the gold because it was a race at that point. Oh yeah, it was that a feature. Race. Don't forget the Minolta XD11 was also developed in conjunction with Leica because Leica wanted that platform for the R4. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, there's some commonality in both bodies, but again. The way design, Minolta designed that, it's like, well, we're not the only ones here. We got partners, and there's a lot of technology sharing back and forth. So they they knew who their audience was or, or their customer base, and I think Canon knew their customer base too. And because then, like now, people don't like dumping an entire lens system to buy into another. No. 
no, 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 no. <laughs> you don't want to do that. Nobody no. does. Especially not, especially not, uh, you know, pros. No. Because they, they, they only want to buy new gear when they think it'll make them more money or let them do their job better. They don't like being used by camera manufacturers. No. And again, when I get my A1, I'm probably going to throw either my 35-105 zoom on it or the 28-85 zoom. Uh, I, I, I ran with the 35-105 zoom, and I'm actually very impressed with the results I'm getting from it. Now, granted, don't shoot direct into the sun or you'll get no. a flare even with the lens hood. Well, that you could say that about a lot of lenses. Yeah, you know, rookie mistake. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's fine. The, the 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 two lenses that tend to live on my uh, A1 are the 28 f 2.8 mm-hmm. and a 51.8. Nothing nothing all that special. No, but uh, I've always been very happy with the results I've gotten. I will talk about make comparison about the the ergonomics usability. Like to me, like I mentioned, how transparent I felt the EF was. It was because it was a traditional control layout that had been honed to perfection by that point. And the A1, as you pointed out, Bill, starting to look towards more for the future, like those control wheels, that, uh, multifunction yeah. control wheels that we're used to now, and. To my mind, it still feels that there are some rough edges in the A1's implementation because this was new and they were still learning the best way to, to make that kind of interface work. Oh, exactly. Like, again, it's like if I have a friend who's a Canon digital shooter and he wanted to, he or she wanted it or they wanted to get into film photography and if they wanted a manual focus camera, I just like get a Canon A1 because you'll feel you won't feel totally out of place because it's sort of again the the they'll not how should i say the language canon used to describe all the features harkens back to the late 70s and i think you know it's it's just kind of interesting where where people went with stuff in, in camera design over the that sort of fifteen year, you know, period of history from like the early mid seventies to like the late eighties, it's just mm-hmm. like a big chasm. Oh yeah. Oh, one thing we did not mention. Um, I think one key difference between the cameras, especially as you know, the the getting older, is my understanding is that the A one has no mechanical mode i i would i don't know i i I, I get there is no no well it has a manual mode it doesn't have a mechanical mode yeah like if it dies if the batteries died or you pull the battery out the camera becomes a paperweight yeah or i guess so if the main so like there there'd be more of a danger with the a1 over time becoming a paperweight which yeah. is true of all electronic cameras. Very true. Like again, we we've shot stuff that's even younger than that that's gone yeah. haywire. But that said, also to my understanding, the Canon A series has been a repair techs seem to love them because they're kind of modular. Well, that, that's that's good to know. To my understanding, it's like mm-hmm. again, it's like there are other ones which they'll just look at it going, 
Please no. <laughs> well, wasn't there a certain tech in Hamilton who refused to work on Bronica's? Yes. <laughs> we miss Roger. Yeah. Again, so, I also got screamed at for bringing a Minolta XE7 in to have him look at it. Uh, something about get that out of my shop. Uh, <laughs> even though I was a mechanic. It was not an electronic issue. It was a mechanical issue. It was like the, the, the frame advance was st sticky. And I had to send it to a guy in the States to get it fixed. And it got done for like $80. Mm. And that was it. It was like, it's running as good as new. Good to hear it. I guess we should do a um, sort of like a the 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 uh, the movie thumbs up thumbs down. But like my my opinion is these are both great cameras. There's enough apples and oranges between the two of them that uh, I would not pick one over the other. They are both excellent examples of what was possible with the technology of the era, and. Uh, if you have one, either model, in good condition, I think you'd be very happy with the results. How do you feel, Bill? I tend to agree. If anything, if you if someone is a Canon shooter, I would get it either the EF or an A1 over an AE1. I tend to agree. Uh, I I have an AE1 that was gifted to me. It's not my first AE1. It's it's one of those cameras that's historically significant because I remember what a buzz it made back in the 70s. Oh, yeah. But I've just, I've never really bonded with one. And the weird thing is, it is essentially a consumer version of the EF. It's a shutter priority camera that you can put into manual mode and you need to. But it was just how it was built. And it looks pretty, don't get me wrong. Yeah. It's just how it was how they built it compared to the EF. The EF is a joy to users. The AE1, it's like, yeah, changing the uh film speed. Yeah, yeah the, stuff like that. And it's just like and oh, yeah. the A1 is just it's just an easier camera to use. Yeah. I, I hate changing the film speed on the AE1. Yeah. I Absolutely. Just, like what the blankety blank were they thinking? They weren't. <laughs> yeah, and uh, well, we're hitting a price point, kids. Yeah, and like the, of course, EF easy to change a, a shutter the the film speed. The A one, it's uh, easy thing. to change once you know where that little shiny button is. Yeah, but it's called reading the manual. Exactly. Remember, remember when people read manuals? It now like people isn't that a novel concept yeah well there, there's an expectation it seems that people something should be so easy i don't want to have to read a, a manual no uh well i'm just i'm i'm becoming a cranky old man yeah i'm not far behind <laughs> well I, I i can now say get off my lawn with yeah. conviction. <laughs> get off my weeds especially those weeds yeah <laughs> so um that wraps it up ef a1 can't go wrong with either of them so this is john meadows saying the a1 it's not just a steak sauce this is bill smith black cameras do take better pictures <laughs> yeah.